from Dragon360, this is Digital Banter, a podcast focused on modern marketing tactics and driving real business results. And now, here are your hosts, James and Zach. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Digital Banter. As always, I am Zach with me, James. How's it going, everybody? One day he'll do an intro. I'm trying to get him to, you know, put on his big boy pants, get used to it. But today is not that day. So what are we doing this week? Well, we're alluding to a lot of things um, and we kind of want to really just reel it back in. Right. Last week, we kind of did that from the previous couple, which was more have guests talk about some things a little bit more on a deeper level. Now we're kind of taking some of the concepts we've been talking about. And this isn't necessarily a series we're doing. It just kind of lines up perfectly. But what we're doing is we're just taking a more in-depth look, getting a little more granular and talking about some of the concepts more. So really what it is, is we're going to be talking a little bit more about the messaging and how you portray yourself in this world and, and go around really the idea that we keep talking about of meeting demand as opposed to, you know, capturing demand and all these things, right? Demand generation. It's a lot of what we're talking about. It's what we've been talking about. But ultimately, we can kind of start more at a top level and really break it down a little bit more. What is the difference, James, between creating demand and capturing demand? Yeah. So I think where there's a a common misconception around creating demand versus capturing demand is really like at what point are they brand aware and really at what point are you trying to sell to the customer? The way that we look at demand creation versus demand capture is in the demand generation phase, everything is problem focused. All of your marketing and content that you're putting out there is focused on educating the customer on who what their problem is. And at this point, you're really not um, you're not considering, they're not at the point where they are looking for a solution. They're not at the point where they understand that. I mean, maybe they do understand that they have a problem, but they are not actively searching for a solution. And the demand creation phase between demand creation and demand capture is the most difficult phase in marketing, because really what you're doing is you're working your way up to an inflection point of that the customer has decided that they have a problem that's worth acting on. And when they hit that point that they are considering a solution, that's where that demand has been created. And the focus then shifts towards capturing that demand or converting that customer. Now, typically, if your brand is the one who created that demand, the capture phase should be a lot easier for you. But definitely there is a an inflection point of where they are ready to find a solution to whatever their problem is. And I think it's really important for people to know that just because they've hit that inflection point doesn't mean that your brand is who they have decided to use for. You're not just like capturing a branded search at this point. This is them saying, okay, you know, hey, I know I have this project management issue, I'm going to start investigating solutions to solve it. And that's where you shift from driving that demand is all the build up to realizing you had a problem. And then once you have the problem, once they realize they have a problem and are looking for a solution, 
then it becomes focused on demand capture activities. That's awesome. Ultimately, I mean, when it comes down to it, we want it to be, when you're creating demand, you don't have to overthink things. And I think that's something that I feel when you take from this, it's almost trying to think of how do I reinvent the wheel to create this demand? And as we've been alluding to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? What you're doing is just not creating what I like to call the fly trap, right? You don't have a spider web and you're not trying to just capture everything that comes on in. It's more about how do you be the one who leads them down the right path by making them want to think in your well, really that you are the right solution, right? Even if at the end of the day, let's say you are a spider web. Yeah. But don't be just waiting there, hoping to catch something, lead them to what you're trying to do. I think um, what, uh, Zach, what you're saying kind of leads into the, the common issue that we've been yeah. talking about a lot when it comes to MQLs and top of funnel content and gated content at the top of the funnel, right? So the content that you're putting out there that's focused on driving demand, like all of those like educational eBooks, industry level content, like all of that stuff is, is really good. But I think where there's like this, this major common misconception is like, once you have their information that you're going to be able to sell to them. And the reality is, is in the capturing in the, in the demand gen phase or the creating demand phase, like it doesn't matter if you have their information or not, because at that point, they don't realize that they have a problem and are ready to buy. And that's where on the demand capture phase, traditional lead gen strategies are more effective because that demand has already been created and they're looking for a solution. So your sales team is going to have a much more efficient time trying to convert those leads rather than, hey, in the demand gen phase, well, we had them, they read three ebooks, so they meet our lead scoring criteria. And that's like the major issue because you want in that creation of demand phase, you want to be focusing on educate, 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 educate. And when they're ready to to buy and are looking at solutions, they're going to come, they're going to come to you versus having an SDR rep do cold outreach to somebody who touched three ebooks, which is what never works. But ebooks is really what like really drove a lot of, let's say, SaaS and B2B. Ebooks were kind of the bread and butter. Um, and I know we've kind of said this quite a bit. Don't necessarily stop your content creation. Utilize it in a different way, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, you can create these ebooks. You can create these white papers. You can create these studies, case studies or webinars or on-demand things, right? There's a million things you can create. But they don't just have to be, well, let's advertise it, get them to the website. We're going to make them fill out information to be able to download and read it. And boom, now they don't even know if they want to read it. So we're hoping that they do want to read it, right? As opposed to you go back to, let's say, our conversation about social, take the nitty gritty, tape that nice, juicy, you know, center, put that out in front and let people make that decision themselves there. It doesn't have to be something that, again, don't trick anybody, right? At the end of the day, don't be afraid to showcase what you're doing because at the end of the day, if they read something that even resonates, even if it's one sentence, you've already created some demand, right? 
And so it really is as simple as that. And we're not telling you to restructure your entire business. We're not telling you to stop your content. Now, doing this, you might actually start thinking about what content you do produce. And it might change maybe your roadmap of content production or who does what on the content team. Or maybe it is you writing the content. You're a one-man show. Now you can kind of free it up and focus in more one direction as opposed to trying to fill all these keyword what do you call them? Keyword, lack of keyword on your website, just to make sure you hit a couple rankings. As we've heard, and we've talked about SEO wise, hitting every keyword and ranking for every keyword is not necessarily what you need to be doing. It really, you need to be ranking for one of those ones that it's, what's the high demand? What's, where, what are people searching, right? What are your customers doing? So one thing I know that James and I deal with a lot, um, and we get asked questions a lot. And well, one, we actually may need to do a podcast on what is ABM, but in ABM, account-based marketing, is it demand gem or demand capture? Yeah, so this is a, I feel like this is a very interesting topic that we deal with all the time. And I think there's a very large common misconception that ABM is a demand capture activity because companies are thinking that it's a demand capture activity because they have curated these lists of target accounts that they want to go after. And just to, like to give a basic outline of a traditional ABM strategy from a, a creative and messaging standpoint is there's tier one, which is one to many, meaning, yep. hey, these are all of our target accounts. We're going to serve them general brand cover, which I'll get into the issues that I have with that in a minute. Then there's one to few. So you're serving one message to a smaller subset of those companies, which you feel have a common, similar problem. And then there's one-to-one, which is your biggest, largest account where you're trying to serve one specific message to one specific company. And kind of going back to the, the common misconception around it being demand capture, because these lists are curated, a lot of companies think that they already, like, they already need the solution to their problem, or they have realized that that their software or their product solves a problem that these companies have. But the reality is, is that in ABM, it really falls under the demand gen side because yeah, these are curated lists, but the level of intent isn't really there. You, your goal in an ABM strategy is to make those target accounts realize that they have a problem. It's not to try to convert them because if you are going to convert them, your sales team would just be doing that anyways, where marketing is more, is going to, has to be more focused on creating that demand, creating, making sure that they're aware of that problem. And ABM is a great tool because you can tailor the messaging towards those specific businesses and what you know about those specific businesses. But I think you're going to be really hard pressed to, have a strategy that's solely focused on conversion because the reality is when they are ready to convert, once they realize they have a problem, they are going to be doing their own research. They're, they're going to, you're going to be able to capture them via paid search. You're going to be able to capture them via retargeting. If you're the one who created that demand, like I said before, you should be at least within what they're looking at as far as their solution set. Absolutely. And what we've talked about before is it all really comes down to the messaging. It comes down to what you're putting out there. So again, we're not asking you to reinvent the wheel. 
a lot of places that, especially like when I'm on a client call and they're asking me like, well, how should we phrase this? At the end of the day, if you don't know where to start, go back to your roots. What are your value props? You created this business or this software or this service for a specific reason or a specific need or lack thereof in your market. So go back to that. How are you going to create demand? Well, you're solving these issues. There's hopefully a demand for your issue. If there's no demand for your issue, then that's a whole nother set of business problems. But at the end of the day, go back to what you're solving and use that in your messaging. And it doesn't have to be like the typical, do you need money? You know, JG Wentworth style. What I'm trying to say here is relate it back to actual potential statistics, right? If you have a current client list and you're seeing that since coming on board with you, you've had or you've solved this specific issue and you've seen your clients on average are seeing a three to five X return or three to five X improvement on all of these items, use that, right? You don't have to say, hey, JG Wentworth is they're now five. 5x more, I don't know, calls a month than they were getting before. And all of a sudden people are like, okay, what's going on? Now in your actual messaging, let's say your headline, your description, your primary text, whatever channel you're on, kind of throw that like that that point in there, right? Oh, this large company is or is doing this. Okay. And then you point them to maybe something more together. You get their brain thinking of, hey, I have this problem. I'm having lack of calls. Um, my SDRs are complaining to me because I can't get more phone calls or warm leads coming in. They're all cold. That's just a way to kind of pinpoint that. And I know that was kind of a little long ramble. Um, but at the end of the day, don't reinvent the wheel. Use what you have and just kind of twist it a little bit. Again, don't be tricker. Don't don't take that word twist and make it a trick. Just twist it around to create a more of a cap or creating demand, not capturing it. So um I know you were talking about brand cover, James. Is there a time and place for brand cover? What is brand cover? Let's start there. What is brand cover? So what I consider brand cover, and this kind of this goes right back to ABM, where you have your entire list of target accounts, and the only thing that is similar is that you think that your software or whatever your B2B product is solves whatever issue that they have. The problem that I have with the idea of, hey, like we're going to just do general brand cover to our target accounts is it falls under the assumption that, first of all, these target accounts like care who you are. And when I talk about general like brand cover messaging, I mean, non-specific, this is our brand, this is our logo, display advertising. I mean, it can be more than display, it can be video, it can be social, but really messaging that is just your general brand messaging and not speaking specifically to the problems of yep. those individuals. And the whole purpose of ABM is to have better connection and better conversations with accounts that you have selected. If you're just serving general brand messaging to all of those accounts and you haven't segmented your list or changed your messaging in any which way to to, to serve those accounts directly, it's it's not going to be effective. It's just like seeing a Coke logo on a truck yep. as it drives by. Like, is it a healthy reminder that a brand exists? Like, sure, I don't know, but like, it's not it's not it's not driving demand at the end of the day. One of these brands seeing your logo is not driving demand at the end of the day. 
I, I personally believed that believe that the top of funnel brand cover messaging and ABM strategies is a piece that needs to go. If you're not ready to do one to few or one to one messaging yet, then and I don't think there's any point in having an ABM strategy. I think you're way better off doing prospecting campaigns uh, to on LinkedIn versus saying like, hey, I want to target this person who works at General Motors in the engineering department. You know, then you want to serve messaging that speaks directly to people who are in the automotive industry or directly to somebody who works at GM. And that's I think that's just like a big miss on the ABM front of oh like hey like we're not we're not ready to do our one to few or one to one messaging so but we want to get started in ABM so we're going to do general brand cover. That's a I think one of the biggest things that I see more times than not because marketing teams are getting pressure from the sales departments to do something to their target accounts. Like, Hey, we need nurturing. We need to nurture them more. And the reality is, is they, they don't need nurturing. You already have their email, your sales teams already bugging that. If that's our, if that's the case, you know, they need specific messaging that's going to put them over, not a reminder that your logo is there. I think, and this isn't necessarily anything new and we're not necessarily telling you again, go and fire your entire creative team because they've been doing things wrong this entire time. No, it's just a different mindset. At the end of the day, it's just kind of, I don't know, flipping a switch and kind of going on a different direction. And this is something even internally that, you know, especially you, James, you've been pushing on our teams, trying to get a lot of, let's say, our social and even our search specialists to really understand more of this mindset as opposed to it. So this isn't just a, hey, telling business owners to do it. This is also an internal discussion, right? Andy, being our CEO, he's having this conversation internally as well. Um, If you follow Andy on LinkedIn, he's been making a lot of posts about this, really insightful posts that I think, you know, by all means, not trying to do a plug for Andy, but go and follow him. He's been making some great posts. Likewise, a lot of members on our team are making great posts kind of around how they are specifically dealing with this or talking about things in marketing. Now, James and I have mainly been talking about our podcasts and our posts, but by all means, come follow us as well. Again, not the whole point of this little tangent, but at the end of the day, This is also an agency internal discussion that we're having of trying to flip this switch with everybody. Because I'll be honest with you, and I'll be the first to admit, my mind sometimes doesn't always go this direction. My mind sometimes wants to go back to where it, you know, where it's been or what I know has worked in the very past or how things used to be, because it's natural to go back to where you're comfortable. Creating this does take time. And and that's something as well, I think is important to say here is your team isn't going to just automatically do it right away. It's going to take a little bit of time to get used to it and really to find the right messaging for your brand, right? And it comes down to this idea that we're always talking about is continually testing, continually innovating, continually messing, not messing with your messaging, but testing different options for your your creative and messaging. You're not going to nail it on the first time. If you do, I give you a round of applause. I mean, weird things happen. Outliers happen. It has happened before. Uh, But usually not everybody nails it right on the head at the first go. Um, It takes lots of iterations, A, B testing, heck, A, B, C, D, E, F, G testing. There's a lot of testing you can do, right? Now going to the testing, 
don't just test stupid shit, right? We've talked about this before. Don't do the color test on your button, right? At the end of the day, that's probably not going to do it. I can tell you some things that I've done testing-wise personally to kind of do this. I've done something as simple as changing just the call to action. Instead of just the learn more, sign up now, different things like that. Yes, on a lot of channels, you do have to choose one and you're going to have those basic buttons anyway. No way really to get around that, unfortunately. But on the creative itself, instead of just doing sign up to learn more today or something, change it. Make it where it is more talking about the industry. Are you wanting to... um, or? We have the insights. Are you interested in learning more about this, right? And that's just something off the top of the head. At the end of the day, I don't usually like to say, ask a question. It just came out of my mouth. But don't be afraid to play with just the call to action to get used to that. Because once you have a good call to action and you figure out what is doing this, then you can move into the longer form text, right? Your paragraphs, your, your headlines, again, descriptions, primary text, depending on what channel. They're all the same thing at the end of the day, except on search. One thing I think is important in anything that you do is don't be afraid to leverage the pain points. We've talked about this before. Why are people coming to you in the first place? Leverage that because I can tell you if one does it, another's another's having that in your industry, right? Again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You created this software, the service, whatever it is for a reason, leverage the shit out of that. Use it. If you're not using that, I implore you today to hit pause on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're at, go talk to whoever needs to make this happen and come back and hit play and resume. And we'll listen to the rest of this. We'll give you a few minutes here to go do that. And we'll get back into it. Great. Now that you're back. So thanks for pausing and coming back and talking to your team about this. Um, One other final thing is really just, and James has mentioned this, using the customer insights, um, qualitative customer insights. Anything that your customers, your current customers can provide you, or even ex-customers, because sometimes that's actually super helpful as well, utilize. Utilize that not necessarily word for word in your messaging or your creative, but formulate around it. Zach, and I really think the the big thing where this comes from and what we experience with, what we experience a lot on the agency side as an agency who does creative is trying to align with a client on messaging. Because really what happens a lot is clients have brand guidelines, agencies have opinions on what direction the creative should go in. And a lot of times what it comes down to is differences in opinion. And it's a really tough battle when you have a client who's like, hey, like, you know, we don't, we don't like your messaging. We like our messaging or we need to move the logo here or, or just kind of like basic stuff that there's always like the brand guidelines, which we always try to get. That is whatever the messaging guidelines are, whatever the visual guidelines are. And as an agency, we always stick to what those guidelines are, but then there's also the personal opinion and whoever is managing it. And I think in a agency client relationship, it is really difficult to, when you're in situations of differing opinions and that's where I think that there needs to be some level of middle ground and commonality. And this is really what you were getting into, Zach, in, in quite good detail. And that's where we're creating messaging based on qualitative customer insights. We're not just saying, you know, hey, we think that your messaging should be this and you think that your messaging should be that. 
is more so that your, your customers are telling us this. This is the feedback that we are getting for your customers, and we are tailoring our messaging based on that feedback. Taking a look at comments on ads, what are the common pain points? Listening to your sales team, what are the common pain points that they have versus, and I think that there's, there's often this disconnect where brand teams are design and fluffy and always try to boil messaging up into a mission statement level thing. And I mean, go into another rant. Like, honestly, I think most like mission statements are a load of bullshit. I think that there's good, there's, it's good for companies to be working towards a, a common goal, but the, the mission is just a boiled up fluff of what's actually happening. And in your messaging, you need to focus on what's actually happening in those, what those true pain points are versus the fluff of a mission statement. And that really goes back to what I was saying about brand cover too, Yep. because brand cover is just fluff of a mission statement and nobody, like nobody cares what your mission statement. And honestly, like some of the mission statements out there, honestly, I feel like are just like made up fluff to try to set. Like, I'm just even thinking of some of like the environmental stuff that you see, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, it's fake, you know, like businesses are in business to make money, right? Like if you're using all organic products, whatever, and I'm talking D to C here, right? Like that's great and it's good, but like, you're just using that as marketing leverage to make money. And don't get me wrong. There are good people out there who really are for the causes that they have, but I mean, that, that's, that's what this is about at the end of the day. And I think in the B2B space, it's even more so like that you need to be focused on the actual problems that you're trying to solve, what your unique selling propositions are and how they fit to those problems, how they fit, fit to the specific markets that you're going after and less, oh, like we help brands through digital transformation. Statements like that are a load of fluff that mean absolutely nothing. And to your point, Zach, that you were talking about testing, like it's also okay to have difference in opinion. I think that mm-hmm. this is like my, what I always fight with what, when you do get into the difference in opinion with clients, I say, okay, we'll do yours. We'll do ours. We'll A, B, test them together. And the winner is who wins. The client, the customers will tell us, um, I don't like we don't always win. The client doesn't always win. I think it is it is fair and messaging is important. Um, and it's important to test. And like you said, keep keep going, keep iterating. I mean, standard A-B testing is the challenger and winner, you know, right? You're always trying to figure out what the, you know, you have your leading creative. You're trying to swap it out with whoever the, the challenging creative is. If the challenging creative doesn't win, you just try again. Try something else. It's going to beat that. You know, so. on that, I do want to make a mention, and we're not going to get into the nitty gritty here, but don't when when you say don't be afraid to test, and we do various tests ourselves, it's because it really is so easy in today's world to do this testing. The channels, whether it's you know social or search, there's a, so many ways that you can do various testing that it almost doesn't hurt you to do testing. If you're not testing something somewhere, I, I'd kind of be asking what what are you doing. At the end of the day, even if you have four different ads created in a way that is just a very basic creative test, which one is going to resonate more when our next iteration comes out, 
let's use the new ones or the one that did best to formulate how we're going to go forward with those, right? That's something when we're doing a lot of monthly reports, James, we kind of touch on that. Hey, this was our best performing creative for X, Y, or Z reason. So going forward, when we do new tests because of this, right? And sometimes when we do have new tests, maybe it was just a fluke that this was the best performing and they they flop. Again, it's called testing. No test is always going to be a winner, right? Not everything will always win. Some things will be a loss, but that in itself gives you information. Now, speaking on the channels, right? Kind of how we, I think where we should take this now is really how do we build this idea of creating messaging for demand creation. And and a lot of it, it starts with the channels, right? Whether you're doing an ABM push, paid social, there's online video. At the end of the day, you're wanting to use your, well, really get an idea of your customer's insights to understand their pain points. Do they align with what your value props are or some of the, let's just say scenarios that you have been pushing? And if it doesn't, Maybe think about changing that, but create product use cases out of these insights. How can your product fix this, right? Fix or be somewhat of a solution. I shouldn't say fix. Some things aren't always fixable. You're trying to create a category for yourself. Again, there's a lot behind that, a lot to that. And again, we're not asking to reinvent the wheel. What we're trying to do is get you to leverage what you are good at, why you went into business, what your product, service, whatever it is, solves, and define your own category. Don't just be, as we talk about a lot, a project management tool. What are you? You're not just a project management tool. Hell, you could argue Google Sheets is a project management tool. Do you want to be compared to Google Sheets? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, what are you? Who are you? And what are you doing? Likewise, kind of goes back to this. A lot of your messaging should be around user problem. That typically is what people resonate with. If they're looking for something or maybe they're experiencing an issue, be forward about it. Here was an issue. Here's how we, our service, solved it. Or here are potential results that they saw out of this, right? You're not telling them, hey, we have the next greatest thing. It's here's what we did. At the end of the day, you know, the proof is in the pudding. So, oh, man. I could go on about messaging, James. Yeah, I think the the first thing when you're driving demand before you start any sort of creative strategy, step one is gathering those qualitative customer insights because that is what is going to help you define what your messaging is. What are brands out there, your potential customers talking about? Go into the groups that they're in on social, like do the, do the research to figure out what they're talking about, because what that's going to do is that's going to help you position your product and service as a potential solution. But really, even like we were saying in the demand phase, like presenting yourself as a solution is the demand capture phase. Like you just want to be involved in the conversation around what those pain points are and making it clear that those are your pain points and there are solutions out there for your problem versus just trying to be salesy and like over the top. Right. And I think that that's in marketing. We always think of like marketing and sales. You see a lot of uh, leaders of organizations that are head of marketing and sales. I think demand gen is true 
marketing at the end of the day because you are create you are creating the demand you are creating the category you're creating your positioning versus sales is is just capturing is capturing demand is taking people over over the hump versus creating a category and i feel like there are huge I think there are a lot of D2C brands that did an amazing job of this, right? I, I'm going to, one of my favorite brands ever, and one of the brands that I look at the most when it comes to marketing and being innovative is actually Yeti Coolers. So Yeti now has a million competitors. Yeti was the first roto mold cooler. And I'll be honest, I, I didn't realize that I had a problem that I needed to keep ice in a cooler for 11 days or anything like that, but just like their brand and their focus on quality made you realize that there is, there is a reason to have a better cooler than my Coleman that has nothing but water in it at the end of the day. And they went out there and created that, that market for themselves. Tesla, another one, right? People didn't realize they needed electric cars. And now Tesla has gone out and create, like they've created the demand for electric cars. And there are a ton, I mean, there are a ton, like a invent created demand for cars though. No, but they are the ones who affect, I think effectively created the demand for electric cars. Fair enough. Re redefined the category. Correct. Absolutely. And I think that that should be every brand's goal is to redefine their category. And that's from product development to marketing, to messaging, to whatever your mission is. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, no, that's awesome. One thing, a lot of it in how you develop your creative. Now let's talk like video, right? The best form of video if you think about it, where is video king right now? TikTok, right? TikTok is probably one of the biggest contributors to this video age in recent times, let's say in the last three, four years. Okay. YouTube's been around for a while. You've got Facebook. They've always had some video aspect. Now they have what? Facebook watch, I think is what it's called. Um, Of course, Instagram has stuff, right? And Facebook and Instagram are actually going down the path of Facebook reels. Right. And that's to be the competitor to um, that of TikTok. And I think YouTube actually has YouTube shorts as well, much like TikTok. So what does that tell you? Well, ultimately, short form content and video is, is king. People don't want a 40 minute video on your product. Right. Much like you write a blog or your ebook and you put it on social. And after listening to us, what you're doing is putting a lot of that juicy center out forward. Make a video on that real quick right? Educational and what James likes to call snackable videos, those perform best, whether in an organic form or even in an advertising form. I would much rather have an ad that's 15 seconds. I'm more likely to listen to an ad that's 15 seconds than when I'm browsing YouTube trying to watch a video and I see a 20-minute video ad of some guy in front of a Lamborghini trying to tell me how he re-evolutionized and look at him, I have a bunch of money, right? We've all seen those ads, at least, I don't know, I get targeted with a crap ton of them. No one cares. Those are almost always skipped. Anything that's short tends to be digested further. 
there's always going to be people who skip ads as much as possible, right? In today's age as well, you also have ad blockers. There's a bunch of things that can can stop it. However, I don't have an exact data point, but I know it's been proven shorter video has a longer view through period, more full complete views than longer video form, but also it's more engageable. Um, one, you get a quick point across, uh, a point across quickly. And so on an organic fashion, that helps your social engagement aspect, right? You go down the path of hopefully someone's commenting, you get more shares because it is something that's quick. You potentially get some more likes, or if you're on LinkedIn, some of the weird new emojis now, I think there's like a laughing one and a, an excitement one, a celebration <laughs> one, right? That's another thing as well. Celebrate your wins on a, on an organic aspect. What did you win this week? At the end of the day, a short, go ahead, James. I was going to say, this goes back to, I feel something that we've said a lot in the content, always talking about gating eBooks and long form content, but say what you want to say when it comes yep. to messaging. And you can say what you want to say in a, a short period of time, 15, 30 seconds. You know, that's, that's, that's what people are engaging with. I mean, reels, vines, TikToks, whatever you want to call them at this point, that is the primary content that's being served on social platforms and the primary content that's being engaged on social platforms. One thing I will add here, because this is a bit the recent change to TikToks, like I know you've seen this as well, but they updated their video length to be up to 10 minutes now, which up from three minutes to 10 minutes. And what I think is actually happening here. So short form content is king. I I want to make sure that that is very clear, but there is still a desire for longer, more engaging content. And I think what TikTok, you know, TikTok is trying to steal market share from YouTube and TikTok still, everybody still looks at YouTube as premium content. And I think you're going to start seeing more long form episodic content on TikTok with these longer videos where, because a lot of times when you're scrolling and we talk about short attention spans, it's just because people scroll through a million different brands, right? But versus people still want to engage with long-form content. Think about like Netflix, Netflix series, things like that. People will watch hours and hours of stuff once they realize it's good. So strategically think of your short form content as a way of somebody getting you into their getting you into their system. And then you still, as part of your content strategy, need to have that bring me back content, the long form people content that people keep coming back to. I'll use like this podcast as an example. Like this podcast is our weekly long form piece of content that we break up into the 10 best things that we said in this content and serve that in very short form content, right? Like We'll be posting that out on LinkedIn. That's going to be where the majority of our reach comes from. But the users who are brand loyal at the end of the day, the people who really care what we have to say are going to show up and listen. And it's the same for TikTok. It's the same for YouTube. It's the same for, I don't want to say Instagram because they're not there yet, but like your goal should always be to become that brand that people come back to. And that's where I do think that long form content is going to start making a bigger play. Um, I like it. I like it. I really like that you're talking that you mentioned specifically is because we do talk about a lot 
the short form content, right? But I also like that you mentioned, don't ignore longer form content, right? Longer form videos. Because at the end of the day, yes, people still want to learn more, right? May not need it right off the bat, but they still want to know it. So, Zach, I actually think this is a good trend. So everything that we've been talking about is demand creation and making users identify that they have a problem. The short-term content is really, really good for that because you can get in front of a lot of people. I think where long-form content starts to serve more value is in the demand capture phase because this is where I imagine you know this this push from demand creation to demand gen as a, a guy pushing a giant rock up a hill, right? <laughs> that you are trying to get over to the hump, get over the hump of making somebody realize that they have a problem, and then. There, there definitely is a hard push of trying to convince somebody that you are the right solution, but it does get yep. easier because they're already understand that they have a problem and they're looking for it. And it should get easier the more information that they have. So where long form content comes in really helpful is in that like pushing them over the hill phase because yep. they've identified that they have a problem and they're just trying to get over. They're just trying to get you're you're just trying to get them over the hump and realize that get get the nitty gritty details. What are the product yep. specs? What are the integrations? What are the what are the things that are now very specific to their problem that your product solves? And For that sure. sometimes can only be done in long form content. And this is where on the demand capture side you have you. You can start gating things. You can start having more bot. When I say gating things, like real bottom of the funnel stuff, demos, trials, book a meeting, right? Because at this point, they're ready. They've identified a solution and they've decided that they're ready to research additional solutions. Now you want to just feed them with as much information as they can to make that decision. That's what we talked about making pricing transparent, making sure you have all the product specs, all the integrations, all the like the stuff that is going to take it to the next level. Yep. No, to quote a very classic saying, if you build it, they will come. It goes back to just what you're talking about. If you create the demand, the capture will come more on a more natural level, more trustworthy level, more open-minded level. To put it in an SDR or you know account executive form in a warmer level at the end of the day, which is what you want. The more warmer leads you have, the better. Most word of mouth tend to be warmer. So why not? Why can't we do that in a digital presence? Again, if you build it, they will come. It's not going to be instant. It takes time to build it. Again, it goes back to what we've been talking about with the messaging, the testing, creative iteration, everything. But again, if you put in the time, it will happen. So really, where do, where do we go with this? It all comes down to starting with the channels, whether that's social retargeting. Um, well, okay. Now that we've built the demand or the we've created the demand, how do we capture? How do you do that messaging? Let me back up a moment. This is where I'm saying it goes with those um, on these channels. So a lot of these demand capture channels tend to be on the retargeting side. So you've got social media retargeting. There's the review sites, 
right? What we mentioned, what is it, G2 all the time. I think that's one of the biggest ones for software. I think there's also Captera is another big one, right? Focus on a lot of those. At the end of the day, don't necessarily stop what you were doing in the demand creation process. Keep that messaging going, but hit them more on a deeper level each time. You created the demand with maybe something simple, right? Kiss, keep it simple, stupid, right? Now that we're in the retargeting phase, you have these, you're you're engaged following, you have people who are warmer to you, um, understand you. This is where a lot of that longer form content can come into play, more than nitty gritty. This is where, in my opinion, and I think James, you agree with this, where you go more into the case studies. And it's not just talking about a really cool KPI or a value that came out of that case study, but it's actually, hey, here's the full-on case study we did with, let's say, Tesla or Boeing or all of these huge companies, right? As well as, maybe it isn't a huge company, maybe it is somewhat of a smaller company, you can go into the use cases, right? Because not every company that, or not every company that has clients is going to have the Amazons, the Teslas, right? There's only so many of those companies to go around as well as they have a lot of internal teams to fix a lot of their problems. But if you have use cases of, hey, we're working with someone in the landscaping industry, here's how they use it. And here's how we're, we've simplified their processes by them using us, right? And keep you can keep it all the way down to company specific, to industry specific, um, really just letting other people know like, hey, if you're in this industry, here's someone else in your industry using this and here's what they're doing with it, right? And if they don't want to share, you know, don't use my company name and your collateral, okay, keep it generic. But at the end of the day, saying someone in the landscaping company is using your product, you have every right to do that. Because at the end of the day, you built it, all those solutions exist, you're just putting an industry in front of it. Messaging. Who knew? It's crazy. There's there's so many things that you can do with it. And one of the last things that you can really touch on is that call to action. A lot of the time for typical demand capture is book a demo, get a free trial, schedule a meeting, book a meeting, whatever you say, right? At the end of the day, those are your typical ones. When you're in the retargeting aspect, and you are now over the hill, as James is saying, you're getting them to just now understand or go deeper level and get them to actually fill out information. This is where I personally feel these ones are okay to be very upfront with them. Hey, you've read all this stuff from us. Why not try a free trial? Here you go. Here's seven days or 10 days or 30 days, whatever you do, right? Do you have more questions? Take time to speak to one of our sales representatives who can discuss this further. Right? Maybe you your customers have specific questions on your use cases, which is an important factor to think about here. If you're putting out messaging, make sure the people who are ultimately going to be speaking with these people know what's out there and understand to speak to it. Um, I assume, and if we were to look at like a larger company, there tends to be a lot of silos, right? You have salespeople who are over specific either geos or specific industries or sectors, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, make sure things are routed properly there. But ultimately, if you're just a team of just a couple salespeople and you don't have time to make sure everyone is a, a specific expert, just make sure they understand, hey, we're putting out these use cases. I recommend you go look at them for the first 30 minutes of your shift or something like that. And then we'll get into sales calls. I think the the big thing and kind of to to summarize everything that we've talked about 
the most important thing in your messaging is to start with those qualitative customer insights. And really what you're you're doing in this entire process is you're creating content that builds up the demand, builds up the awareness of the problem. That's the demand creation phase. Once they realize that they've had a problem, there is an inflection point. And at this inflection point is probably the most difficult part of marketing and messaging because you've got you you had to serve a, a ton of content, do a lot of education to get them to that point. And now when you're at the top of that inflection point, you got to get them all of the information that they need. And the only way that you're going to understand the information that they need to make a decision is if you're listening to them to begin with. And I think that this is where, it's like I said before, it's really important to move away from some of the generic messaging that you're using and try to niche down and be as specific as you can. And also be willing to give that information. Like, again, not everything is a a trick to get somebody's email address. The goal is to educate on a problem, create demand, and get a user to the point or a customer to the point where they are ready to buy from you. All of that happens on their own and everybody takes a different path to get there. And we need to stop trying to trick them along the way. When if you've effectively driven that demand, you are going to be effect, you are going to be part of their consideration. And yeah. At that point, you know, you can start pushing those bottom of the funnel CTAs, like you were saying, demo, trial, book a meeting, like they will come to you at that point. And your sales team will be very happy about it because they are going to close those meetings at a much higher rate than the industry level state of project design ebook that you put out there, right? It's, it's going to be your state of the industry white paper might get a lot of downloads, but I tell you, your sales team is going to close those at 0.001% versus somebody who's coming into a demo or trial because you've built that demand, you've built that trust within that. It's not even the close rate though, but it's also time to close as well. Should, I'm going to use the word should improve, Yeah, right? If If you're creating all this content that is speaking to what you do in general, I don't know how you don't close faster. There's no guarantees. You'll always have some difficult people who want to push it out to forever because one, it's potentially they don't even have money in the first place and they want you to keep doing discounts or something. But um, at the end of the day, everything you do should be to improve your, your sales team or your customer success team's experience with their own customers. What kind of customer do you want? So create the demand for that customer. Not every customer or prospect is going to be right for your service, software, whatever it is. And that's something that is important to know too. But hopefully through creating the demand with your messaging through the nurturing period, you'll kind of weed some of those people out naturally, which also helps with that aspect. Proper retargeting at the end of the day should really be bringing in some more of the higher quality ones that you're looking for at the end of the day. Nothing's perfect. I've never seen an advertising campaign be absolutely perfect. I don't think anybody in advertising besides maybe those with huge egos will tell you they have perfect campaigns, right? James and I are always testing. 
James and I are always trying to think of ways and our teams to think of ways to create demand for our clients. How do we reinvent their industry? Because as we've said before, we have a lot of clients who are competing with some big, big boys in the industry. So we have to redefine them inside of an industry that's been around for for a while. So, man, if there's anything I can leave you with is, it goes back to everything we're saying is don't stop innovating. Try and flip the switch to more of a creating demand as opposed to capturing demand off the first place and really build that from the inside out because it has to start with your team. It has to start with you before you can start selling that to people, right? And we're not a sales podcast, but at the end of the day, what is marketing really trying to do, right? Our goal is to turn your sales team into order takers. Boom. That's that's pretty much it. Think of marketing as like, we want to build up, we want to have messaging that builds them up to the point where they are just showing up to the counter at Target and purchasing. That's uh, that's what we want. I mean, yep. we know it's more difficult than that and that's you know not the reality, but if you set that as your goal, and your goal is to get all get your customers all the information that they need to effectively make a decision. The likelihood of that being the scenario increases drastically and your sales team will be very happy. I love it. Well, awesome. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week. I think this is probably one of our more shorter ones. I don't actually know how long this one is, but um, nope, it's right on par with where we've been every week so far. So look at that. When we're talking, I just feel like it goes so fast. So um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining James and I. We're going to see you next week, and we're kind of keep getting into some more of these nitty-gritty topics. So thank you again, and we'll, I guess you'll hear us next week. Thanks for listening to Digital Banter. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are uploaded every Friday. In the meantime, Keep up with the show by following James and Zach on social media. Links are in the show notes.